Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today, I have a guest coming to us, very special guest, from Sneed, Alabama. She is a domestic abuse advocate, certified domestic abuse advocate, speaker, writer, and podcaster. She has a podcast called I'm a Survivor. And we're here today to talk to her about what she does to advocate for the women in Alabama. So, uh, Misty Shavers, uh, welcome. Oh, hi. Thank you. It's great to have you here today. Um, And it's I, I think we have an increasing awareness of abuse uh, and different types of things like that going on in our world today. A lot of conversations about it. And there are a lot of different people doing different kinds of work. Can you tell, talk to us for a little bit about what you do and what has called you to uh, have this as your mission? Uh, yes. Um, well, what I do exactly is. Um, I advocate um, very strongly online um, all across the United States and pretty much all over the world. Uh, I have women all across, uh, you know, from India, China, um, Australia, Jamaica, that will send me messages online because I have such a very heavy presence. And then I also advocate in the community that I live in which, you know, you had said it to me, Alabama, and uh, it's a small county, actually. Um, it's a blunt county, Alabama. And uh, right now, since we have the COVID-19 um, outbreak, um, I'm just advocating, you know, using my cell phone. My number is out there in the community. So say if a woman calls me and needs help, I can get her to a direct uh, shelter. I can give her the numbers or I can call her, you know, the shelter myself and tell them, look, you know, this lady's need help and, you know, just a lot of information that she may need in order to get herself out of the dangerous situation she's in. And on top of that, I also do a podcast for women. Um, and that's because there's so many women out here that do not have a voice just yet. Um, or they feel like they cannot speak. So, I just, I'm a kind of a voice for the voiceless. And, um, I started this, um, about a year ago with the podcast. And then I further educated myself and became an advocate because, you know, I just, I am also a survivor and, and really I'm a survivor before I'm anything else. And I just, I really did not want to see any young women have to go through some of the things that I went through. And, yes, uh, I've noticed I, I wanted, that. I wanted, I wanted to change this, this state. I wanted to change this area that I'm from and show people that there is an actual need for help here and that domestic violence is an actual thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I've noticed that there's a definite correlation between uh, having a, uh, a, a an abusive relationship and then taking that to turn it into something that you can help others with. Almost everybody in the uh, business of helping through, whether it's being an advocate or a counselor, or therapist, um, healer in some way, uh, podcaster, you know, all the different people, almost every single one of them had something 
of of a personal nature that brought them to um, the um, mission that they're on to educate and to support and to help people uh, recover from abusive relationships. Um, I wanted to ask you, you you hear a lot about how uh, the federal and state government doesn't really have a lot of funding for a lot of these uh, women's programs and shelters and whatnot. And I have discovered that it's very difficult to find a counselor who understands things like narcissistic abuse uh, and has received specific training in trauma-informed therapy. Uh, Have you run into any obstacles in your efforts to uh, provide what needs to be provided in terms of housing or food or jobs or, or, um, uh, you know, healing therapies and modalities for these uh, women who come to you who are fleeing from these abusive relationships? Are there things that uh, you have come across where there's just not the funding or there's something else in your way? Um, well, honestly, the area that I live in, there's not a shelter. Um, there's only one court liaison from the YWCA. So help is very limited in this area. Um, usually whenever a woman comes from, like, say, this county and they're saying, I'm being abused, I need help, well, <clears throat> there's a backside to that because normally you would have to say, okay, we're going to send you to the YWCA, which is, like, so many miles down the road in Birmingham, Alabama. And so, and a lot of times, the YWCA in Birmingham doesn't want to help women unless they're in that area. So, yeah, I have where women are having issues in that in that area because I just had a lady that needs help, but she's not from, well, she's, she, the, the domestic violence situation happened in this county. However, she's living in another county. So, see, you know, you have to try to work with other people in the county over. And supposedly the Alabama Coalition for Domestic Violence has, received funding this past year I saw where the governor had uh, put it on the news they had on the news that the governor had give the domestic violence uh, coalition the YWCA so many funds but I don't know I haven't saw anything from the YW as to where those funds are going and hopefully they're going for you know like housing and all these other things education jobs and all that that women are needing because they're supposed to be a shelter and they're supposed to also have transitional housing for women mm-hmm. that are that have been in domestic violence. So in that retrospect then yeah, I mean I think there is a big, huge gap and especially when you're talking about women getting the actual mental, you know, they need the counseling because a lot of them have been uh, trained in narcissistic situations with these abusers, a lot of times the counselors don't understand what narcissists, you know, do to people, and they don't specialize in those types of treatment. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. but I think you and I both could agree in the mental health field, there's a big breakdown there. 
Absolutely. And in the whole city of Austin, their uh, Psychology Today magazine says that there are numerous people who specialize in things like CPTSD and trauma recovery. Um, very few of them mention anything about narcissistic abuse recovery. And wow. after doing my own research, there's maybe four or five individuals in the entire metropolitan area serving over a million people. There's, there's, there's maybe five who have specific narcissistic abuse recovery training because, you know, that is a completely different beast. It's not your regular uh, divorce. It's not your regular generic uh, breakup or a, even abusive situation. Uh, it has special uh, characteristics that are just indicative of narcissistic abuse recovery. So it, I have found that it's very frustrating to have um, have such a limited number of people who really speak the language. And, you know, it is a whole separate language um, that, that you speak when you're talking about narcissistic abuse. Um, they don't know, they haven't been trained in cognitive dissonance and word salad and blame shifting and gaslighting and all of those kinds of things, at least not in this context. So uh, let, let's talk about what's happening right now. This is 2020. This is uh, the end of April. We're getting ready to, to have May next week. Uh, and not only are we quarantined and social distancing and all of that, the job situation is dismal. And I'm assuming it hit your community pretty hard because uh, it, I know around here people are freaking out about that. So for these women who are in danger and, you know, there's different types of abuse and different types of even narcissists, some are much more dangerous than others. Um, and all that, but are you finding that, um, that this situation with the pandemic and with the job situation and the economy, uh, what do you think that's going to look like as far as what people can do to help women who are in these situations and need to get out? Uh, how's that affecting them? Um, well, you know, it's, it's like this, you know, you've got, you've got all these, these women that before the pandemic, they felt trapped. Well, now it's where, you know, we've got a whole nation that's locked down. So mm -hmm. whenever they look at that, they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I thought there could be that chance that I may be able to get out of this situation. And now that <clears throat> we're totally locked down and you've got kids out of school and then you've got children in the mix. Sometimes that makes people that are abusive more volatile. Yeah. And then, you know, the loss of work makes them more volatile because they're not bringing in any money to help with the situation. And, you know, we've got so many programs out here, like the food stamp program, which, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that, there's so many people against that program because they think, oh, well, people just abuse it. Well, that might be in some cases, but, you know, women that are in, that are struggling to make it, they really need these food assistance programs. They need the money to be there for them. They need um, women's shelters. They need um, food banks. They need people in the religious communities, churches, 
people that can reach out and be like, look, we can help you. Um, a lot of women that are in these situations need to try to um, seek some type of form of uh, help through, I would say, the Internet if they can access. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have access to the Internet, which is a really big, um, downfall for them right now because, you know, the World Wide Web now is just chock full of different educational things and help is just available readily uh, online for women. But say they don't have this help and they live in these rural communities, <clears throat> I would say try their best to find some way that they can reach maybe a neighbor or somebody um, along the way. Maybe they can get out and go to the store. Maybe they can talk to somebody and be like, look, this is a situation I'm in. I'm in desperate need of money or food. And can you lead me to someone, maybe in a church or somewhere that mm-hmm. can help me? Because I do know that in this community, we have a lot of good churches and we have a lot of good people. And I feel it in my heart, if a woman was really suffering and need help, she could reach out and get the help she needs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these women have children. We're not talking about yes. just a single woman. You you also uh-huh. have children to that have to be, uh, you know, you want to keep them together and you want to make sure that they have their needs met and they need uh-huh. therapy and support for the, for that part of it, as well as just physical needs being met. And um, it yeah. sounds like and the you know, options are pretty, pretty limited, but you know, you well, do what you really can do. They did have, um, you know, the food assistant programs that the school schools were doing. Um, whenever school stopped, you know, children, you know, they might not have got a snack during the day. They might not have got those lunches during the day at home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they were they're limited as to how am I going to get these snacks and lunches? I'm at home. I might be here with an abusive parent. You know, one one parent may be abusive. Both might even be. You don't ever know, you know, because. And we deal with child abuse as well in these areas. But, you know, they stopped the food program because of the virus. Right. So now you've got children not getting those needs. And that goes back to the SNAP program, the food stamp assistance program that needs to be addressed. And, and there just needs to be funds there for women and children to need help. Here in Austin, they have different, we have the Capital Food Bank. We have um, different churches having um, pantries that are open to people in need, and they always come through pretty well. But there's still, I feel, not enough uh, support or understanding of the special needs of women who are um, leaving their homes. Can you um, talk to us a bit about the ones who don't leave? Like what um, there's for whatever reason. Uh, whether it's financial or fear or the children or for some reason they choose not to go. Uh, is there any help for them if they feel they can't go or they're not able to, to help them stay there safely? Well, and that's when, you know, you kind of go back to there is the Internet. You know, um, I'm hoping, praying that they've got some way to reach out to somebody. And maybe there's just a phone, a phone system. Um, maybe they've got a cell phone. And if they do, then they need to reach out to a hotline number, mm-hmm. a national domestic hotline. And most people have cell phones. You know, these day and times, you rarely ever see anyone that doesn't have a cell phone. Uh, you know, 
symptoms are probably a lot of people's problems <laughs> instead of being with their families and doing what they should do. Uh, right. Because you'll go into a doctor's office and you'll see the man on their cell phone. You'll see the whole lobby, everything on their cell phones. Um, but my suggestion would be to reach out to one of these agencies, you know, whether it be the National Domestic Violence Hotline mm-hmm. number. And they have a lot of people that could reach out and help that person. Right. They are they are based in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I have talked to one of the ladies that does some of the HR through them. And with their system, they can find help for women uh, in all states. Oh, like they can tell them, look, you know, here's a, here's a number. You can reach somebody. Uh, and so if that would be an avenue, I would say would be a good avenue. Mm-hmm. Unless they could maybe, you know, go right next door and talk to a neighbor if they're not wanting to leave the abusive relationship. Um, and then that way, the neighbor could be able to give them food or help and assistance, you know, and so this is kind of all. Absolutely. You know, the community you know, because, uh, support cannot uh, be underestimated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I had a few neighbors back when I was being abused, but I remember, I mean, I was in a way scared, but then I did reach out to a few of my neighbors. And I think that they knew the situation I was in, but I wasn't at the, at that moment, I was too scared to leave him because he had threatened my life mm-hmm. and my family's life, you know, and that's when you get into, you know, trauma bonding and why women don't leave and, you know, it just gets into the whole situation of why yeah. do they stay? Absolutely. It's very complicated. And I think unless people have yeah. experienced it themselves, they don't fully grasp how you can do that. They just say, why would a person stay with someone who is dangerous and hurts them or might be hurting the children or hurting everyone? Why would someone choose to stay? But it's a very complex psychological um, thing that is not, it's not easy to just to do that. I, I think sometimes it takes multiple attempts to have an exit strategy and to find the courage to go and then sometimes you're just so beaten down, you just have given up and you're just resigned to accepting that this is, this is as good as it's going to get. And my job is to try to keep the kids safe. But if that means that I have to be abused, you know, at some point, then I'm just going to take it because it's just too hard to try to think about doing something else and you just give up. So, um, it's an unfortunate oh, yeah, I mean, situation, and that's where education comes into place and how the help of community and support groups and things like that, reaching out and identifying these people in the community because it's rare that there's something secretive happening. Most people know there's something not right happening in that house. Either the kids will say something or they're going to witness it or they're going to know. And just silence alone in a way um, makes them uh, complicit if something terrible does happen because they knew that this person was endangered, yet they did not uh, try to do something about it or maybe even talk to that person and and help them uh, be able to envision some kind of plan to remove themselves from that situation. So um, can we talk a minute about your... Um, podcast that you have kind of what that is and um who might benefit from from uh listening to the podcast again 
the name of it um, oh, yeah, yeah. and all that? Um, <clears throat> the name is I'm a Survivor Podcast. And I put podcast on the end of it. It was I'm a Survivor. Just I'm a Survivor. But I put podcast on the end because there's a song. Uh, you know, it says I'm a Survivor. So now whenever you Google it, the whole the podcast comes up all the way down the page. So you just don't, you just can't go to Google and type in that without getting this podcast. Okay. And the podcast is to, well, when I first started the podcast, it was not just a tool to help women, I don't think, per se. It was was almost just like my open journal. Mm -hmm. And it was a way for me to express my feelings and how I felt as um, once a victim of domestic violence. And now how I felt as a survivor. Because you go through a transition whenever it comes from victim to survivor. And so I I reach out to a wide audience of females uh, for the most part. And I do help some men. But, you know, the statistics are just very high for women. And so my main audience are women. And a lot of times women will hear my podcast and they will message me personally um, it'd be an Instagram, Twitter, um, I've even had a TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, I had a TikTok and I even have people to go as far as to hit me up on that outlet. So, and Facebook Messenger, and I will get these, you know, hey, I listened to your podcast, you know, you really touched my life, I'm living your podcast, some women will even say that, that they're living what I went through, and so... I've, I've helped several victims from the podcast, and I've actually helped some survivors. Is, is there a way to uh, contact you through what is your preferred way of, of people reaching out to you for um, assistance? Really, my preferred way would be an Instagram. Um, I do, however, uh, post the podcast all over Facebook um, groups. I have different groups that I'm uh, part of, at least a lot. I'd say about 70 or 80 groups. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm, I'm a moderator of a very large group that has 14,000 uh, survivors and victims. And it's called Domestic Violence Awareness. And usually you can find me in that group. Okay. And you can find the podcast. You can find the podcast there, but you can go on Instagram and find me at Misty OK Mista. Okay. So, uh, Domestic Abuse Awareness is on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Domestic abuse awareness. All right. Well, yeah. we're um, almost out of time. Is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners who may be going through something? They may be at the beginning of thinking about leaving. They may be already gone. Um, they could be in recovery, uh, different stages on this journey. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave us with today? Um, yeah, uh, you know, if you're thinking about leaving, that's one of the best things that you could ever do. And I know that it doesn't seem that way at this time. Um, but if you've already left and you're in a shelter or you're in a safe place, stay there. And, you know, don't get caught up in the cycle. Because, you know, domestic violence is all about control. And just make sure that you stay safe because he's lost control. And once someone that is abusive loses control, it triggers volatile thoughts sometimes. 
in some people, and it can cause you great danger and your children if you have children. So just stay safe and, you know, do your best to reach out and, and you know, all these programs that are out here, domestic shelters, not a word, uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline number, Facebook has uh, a million and one different support groups that are now very uh, vital for people. Women have actually went on there and asked people, look, call number one, I'm in the basement, he's trying to kill me. That's a good way sometimes for women to reach out and get help. Mm-hmm. So there's always an outlet out here that you can get help in. Just don't be afraid to try to get help because, and I know that's easier for me to say because I'm not in danger at this moment, you know, but a lot of women are like, you know, I think you for you to say you're not in danger. You know, you can just freely say that. Right. But back then, he had me convinced that I was in danger, but ultimately, I feel as if there was the ultimate time, there were several times there that maybe I could have reached out and gotten the help that I needed. Mm-hmm. But my self-confidence was gone. Absolutely. Because I lost who I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times you lose who you are in those situations. Right. But there's always hope. There's hope. I and think that that's change. important. Yes. Right. I'm going to agree with you there. Hope is the mm-hmm. most important thing that you have to cling to to be able yes. to get out. And, um, yeah. you know, sometimes narcissists discard you. That's what happened to me. Well, and and holding on to that hope is the thing that's going to get you to the other side, to a healthier place and happier place. So Misty Shavers uh, podcast, I'm a Survivor. Again, your Facebook name? Mm. Misty Shavers. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me with my, my total name. I mean, I, I try to uh, invite everyone to be my friend. I've uh, got a lot of friends that do follow me. Just for the podcast. Okay. So, you know, if, if someone wanted to follow me for that reason, that would be just fine. All righty. Well, thank you for visiting with us today. And to all the listeners, if you think it would help to share this with people so they can think about uh, their the resources that we've talked about and some of the things that are happening, people reaching out and advocating as part of their healing, or if you're recovering and thinking you would like to, Uh, become active in this, then um, contact us and uh, we'll put you in the right direction to start on that path. And in the meantime, health and happiness to everyone. Stay safe, stay home. Uh, We're going to get through this thing and uh, there is light at the end of that tunnel. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Bye everybody. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer all lowercase. That's shopify.com specialoffer.